When 845 hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, Danger? Like, what's up, Danger? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into the very first episode of No Boundaries, right here on Com Radio. 8.45, a little past 8.45 here on the East Coast. I believe that means it's somewhere around 5.45 on the West Coast. Then again, who knows? We're rusty, a little bit rusty. It's been a while since we've been in the studio. Great to be back at Innovation Park. My name is Connor Griffin. Joining me, socially distanced, in a different room. I know. I'm not used to this. This is very strange. My My... My hand is up against the glass, trying to figure out how to communicate, trying to figure out how to just be in semi-contact with my good buddy, Zach Donaldson. Zach, how are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing, um, all things considered, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, this is this is an adjustment, but bottom line, I'm happy to be back in here, happy to be back in the studio recording. Um, maybe a little rusty, for sure, after a long and unexpected hiatus, but I mean, we're back now, and... We're going to give the best show that we got. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, I am definitely jacked to be here. First and foremost, we do want to address, this was formerly Frosties and Chicken Baskets, which was arguably the best name of a radio show at Com Radio. Not arguably. Hands down. Hands down. (laughs) Uh, Of course, that was named after uh, Penn State Basketball and the Sixers. It was a Sixers and Penn State Basketball talk show, Frosties Chicken Baskets, for those of you who are from Philly, for those of you who go to Penn State, go to the basketball games, you know why it's called Frosties and Chicken Baskets. But, of course, no Sixers basketball to talk about at this point. No Penn State basketball to talk about. So we had to improvise, and uh, we're just going to talk about whatever. We don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into talking about one particular sport, uh, one particular team, one particular city. In this crazy day and age where we don't know what sports we're going to get, mm-hmm. we're going no boundaries. We will talk about anything, as you'll see today. Plenty of stuff to talk about across all different facets of the sports world. Zach, with that being said, are you ready to dive in? Oh, yeah. You good? Let's get it. All right. Let's begin. First and foremost, uh, a major bombshell dropped today. That's the only way I can really describe it. The Big Ten Conference, after weeks and weeks and weeks, what seemed like years, of saying we're not playing, to then saying, we're considering playing, we're holding a vote, to then saying, no, the vote never happened, I don't know what you're talking about. After all that just craziness, chaos, miscommunication, speculation, rumors, we finally got the answer today. The Big Ten Conference on the weekend of October 23rd, October 24th, is coming back to play a fall football season, eight games, with a built-in ninth game where it will be the best team in the West, facing off against the best team in the East. I believe that's December 19th, Conference Championship Week, uh, at least the Conference Championship Week for the SEC. And then you would also have the second-best team in the East playing the second-best team in the West, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And I love it. We'll get to that in a second, though. But the point is, Big Ten football is back. Originally, they said that they weren't going to re-vote. Well, they just re-voted, and the chancellors, the presidents, they're in. And we're having a fall football season. Could not be more happy. I am wearing 
my own Penn State Christian Hackenberg jersey. People think it's a Sean Clifford. I say, nay, nay, nay. I got this when it was Christian Hackenberg. Zach, I'm stoked. How are you feeling about this? I mean, <clears throat> I couldn't. I mean, you can't imagine a, a better scenario when everything, when it when a fall season seemed hopeless after I believe it was an abrupt decision that was made too early. Um, now the fact that we're getting something is just, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I know. And I, like you said, abruptly, so abrupt. Very. I, I mean, they just came out with this really early decision. Granted, it was at a time where the myocarditis scare was at its peak, and you had a couple of Big Ten athletes, uh, I don't want to say test positive for myocarditis, but they were definitely, they would test positive for coronavirus, and then through that, doctors, team doctors would see that they had signs of showing myocarditis in their heart, obviously the, a big-time heart condition. We've now learned that that is pretty common with lots of other uh, viruses, like the flu, for example. And when I say it's common with those other, I'm not saying that everybody who gets the flu gets myocarditis, but you can trace myocarditis back to some of those other common viruses, I guess is a better way of saying it. So the numbers weren't as elevated as we thought that they were. That scare is no longer as much of a scare. It's definitely a concern, and it could prove to be a liability concern for these universities with players now going out on the field every Saturday. But that was really the main thing holding all of us back, holding the Big Ten back, and it didn't hold the SEC back, didn't hold the ACC back. Yeah. We now, again, like I said, know that that's not as big of a scare as we thought. The testing has improved. Now they come out and say, yes, we're going to play. And, yeah, going back to what you said about just being so abrupt, I don't know why you had to make that decision in the first place so early and try and bully all the other conferences into you know trying to, to cancel their season. Yeah. Wait a little bit. We're learning more about this virus by the week. Let it calm down. Let it sizzle. Push the season back like the SEC did to the 26th of the September. They could have done that and, and seen how much things have progressed and seen how better the situation had gotten, but they just canceled it, and now they kind of make themselves look like idiots. Do you think yeah. that – even though they now are playing the season again, do you think that the Big Ten still has made itself look like a mockery to the rest of college football? I mean, sort of. Like when you, when you talk about like the leadership, it was just there was no like rationale behind the decision. What 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 I questioned the most was how how is the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten not going to play, but then I don't know the, the handful of other conferences are going to play. But the, I'm saying the med, the medical um, data should be consistent, like across the country. So why is it safe for? I understand like some parts of the country are uh, more infected than others, but hot spots, yeah, hot spots, yeah. Uh, but like it should generally um, have been the same uh, across the country. So that didn't really make sense to me. And I just think, I mean, I don't know. It was a, it was a knee jerk reaction, I think, in in my mind. And backtracking. I mean, I think they they had to, they had to do it because the players wanted to play, the, the 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 parents wanted to play, the coaches wanted to play, and you know I think it's pretty it's pretty cool that they didn't accept, they didn't accept that, a, a canceled season and, you know, pow, power in numbers, power power of the people, and we're looking at a at a season. Yeah, I mean they really fought for it, and I, I think that's partially what's going to change with college football moving forward. I think a lot of stuff is going to come out of this whole debacle with the Big Ten. Just this the whole debacle with the entire college football season. The main thing I think we're seeing is that the players, obviously we've seen it in the pros, but now it's shifting more into the collegiate level. 
players are getting more power. They're using that power. They recognize how much importance they have to their universities, and they're willing to speak up if they don't agree with the universities, with the Big Ten, with the NCAA as a whole. And, yeah, national or national, what am I saying? Name, image, and likeness. I, I thought it was NIL, national, something. So I don't know why I was saying that. But name, image, and likeness is coming, and they're going to capitalize on it. And, and I think that this is probably – I don't want to say, you know, it's the smartest generation of college athletes that we've seen, but in terms of being aware. Very uh, woke. Yeah, woke, yeah. yeah. Being yeah. very aware, this is the most aware generation of college athletes that we've seen, and I think they're going to be a pain in the neck in a good way for the NCAA, 100%. for the NCAA in years to come. So I yes. think that's definitely been on full display in this process. You had Trevor Lawrence, you had the Justin Fields, you had – even the coaches come up and, you know, just protest. Not protest, but speak, yeah, speak against. Up, yeah. yeah, so I, I love what I was seeing there. Do you think that we could really see this be like a shifting point, this phase, this COVID phase in college football, a shifting point for the sport? See, it it should be because, I mean, the, like you said, like this – I think with social media now, like this has always been what the NCAA has done. Yeah. They've – I think a, a, a good way to put it is it's it's modern-day – slavery kind of i mean the the players are the ones who generate the majority of the revenue i get there it's the ncaa is a business and there's some smart businessmen up there but it's the players who who generate the money who who generate the entertainment and now everybody's starting to come to realize that and i think in the near future some sort of ncaa players association is going to be formed. Yeah, in the in the next couple of years, I would say. Only problem they face is legal matters, like legality of forming a players union. What's that amateurism? Yeah. If, um and that like, they hide behind that. That that's one thing too. Uh I think that the that the Big 10 if we had shifted to a spring season, they were going to have to inevitably break that amateurism clause if you could call it a clause mm-hmm. they because there's no way the big 10 would have been able to play outside during the the, the spring season because they would have been playing in january february march flu season oh yeah would have been a disaster coming yeah. right off of covid um we'd still be in covid and now you introduce yeah flu season germ season all that stuff so they would have had to have been playing in domes which of course would have meant that they would have had to have transported the athletes off of their home campuses and put them into, you know, an Indianapolis dome or a Michigan dome. You're taking them off campus and you're putting them in these bubbles. Well, that's not amateurism. Yeah. <laughs> that's not amateurism. You're admitting that they're workers at that point. Yeah. So, and, yeah, like they, they just had to avoid spring football. And I, I think yep. that even though, yes, the players are getting more self-aware and they could get to a point where there's a players association for right now what the Big Ten did, they – avoided having to uh you know deem them as, as non-amateurs exactly. because they they got the football season in this fall where they can play at their own campuses mm-hmm. um speaking of domes i guess you could say there is one game that each team will play most likely in a dome at a neutral site field and, and that is the conference championship game uh slash ninth game for all the other teams that aren't necessarily in the conference championship what was your initial takeaway when you when you saw this? I really think it's a smart idea. No, I mean, yeah, I think so too. I think it it really opens up the door for some some interesting interesting competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Penn State had a 
Virginia Tech on their their schedule this year. Going down there, I was looking. I was really looking forward to that game. Um, I mean, we'll see when the when the schedule drops, um, what the matchup is and everything behind it. But I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Because yeah, I go well. First of all, I have to acknowledge the Virginia Tech game. Me and my buddy David Hadar were going to call that game for Con yeah, Radio. You were, yeah. And that, of course, got canned, which is very upsetting. But hopefully, yeah, it stinks. Hopefully, you know, at some point, maybe we're allowed in Beaver Stadium and we get to call some of these games that are being played. I don't know, uh, but yeah, definitely a lot on the table. I really like the conference championship game. Uh, I, I like the idea of trying to bridge the gap because obviously, with how late the Big Ten is starting. You're going to have less games than some of the other conferences. You know, some some teams are playing 11 games, and the Big Ten would have only played eight if not for this, you know, kind of weird but very effective ninth week. So I really like it. Uh, no bye weeks, of course, during the season. That could be a real game changer. Yeah, definitely. Players, if they do test positive for COVID, they have to quarantine and not be a part of any team activities for 21 days, not 14 days. That is a little bit of a concern. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's essentially three games. Yes, but the one positive thing, and I probably shouldn't use the word positive when we're talking about corona, but the one good thing when it comes to trying to prevent kids from being or prevent, prevent athletes from being in a situation where they need to quarantine for 21 days, they get tested daily. That is one very, very good thing, mm-hmm. and I think that was the main selling point for the Big Ten is the fact that, yes, these student athletes are at risk for catching COVID, but since they're getting tested daily, we're going to be able to spot it right away, and we're going to be able to limit how many people that person comes in contact with. So I like that. Any other thoughts on the Big Ten before we go to a commercial break? I don't think so. Not much for me. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's it was just a bunch of it was it was tough to keep up because there were just multiple reports every single day. I feel like that. Oh, there are whispers that the Big Ten's gonna announce something nothing comes oh the big Ten's gonna nothing comes so i was honestly kind of sick of it and i just you know wanted a wanted a uh a for sure outcome and i mean this is the best possible one in my mind and we we, we get we get big 10 football we get penn state football yeah even if it's not under the ideal circumstances it's i mean it's, it's crazy times we live in and you got to be grateful for what we got so yeah, and the fact that we're eligible and the Big Ten is eligible for the college football playoff, I think, is the main thing that that oh, yeah. is really selling me. Yeah, who would have like who would have thought? Even with an even starting over a month a month later, you still get that opportunity. Wild, as you said, crazy times. Uh, you talked about the the lack of communication and all the false reports and everything like that. I definitely think this was not handled the best way possible. I won't say who didn't handle it well, but. Could have been handled better. Still, though, we got football. That's all that matters. The first segment of No Boundaries is in the books, and we started off on a really positive note. Penn State football, Big Ten football is coming back. Right after the break, we'll be talking about the epic collapse from the Los Angeles Clippers last night as well as Heat-Celtics Game 1 Eastern Conference Finals. A lot of good stuff to talk about right there. This is No Boundaries, and we will be right back after these words. We are stronger, Lions Pride, stand together, blue and white, Lions Pride, show the world your Penn State side, Lions Pride, you're living, you're loving Lions. 
Riverside, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Paycom Radio listeners, stay up to date with everything Penn State by following us on Twitter at PSUComRadio. The ComRadio Twitter handle has everything you need to know about Penn State athletics and the state college community. Get exclusive behind-the-scenes photos, constant sports and news updates, information about upcoming broadcasts, and more. Don't miss anything from Penn State's fastest-growing student media outlet by following us on Twitter at PSUComRadio. ComRadio, wherever you are, we are. News, sports, talk. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. And we're back here on No Boundaries, talking about the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I thought they were going to be the favorite. I thought they were going to win it all. Mm-hmm. But hey, sometimes we're wrong. You know, even I, the astute host of No Boundaries on Com Radio, can sometimes get a prediction wrong. Zach, I mean, you you thought that the Clippers were going to do pretty well in this postseason, right? I my my pick for the 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 finals in the West was the Lakers, but I mean, okay. Western Conference Finals, I Clippers Lakers seemed like just set almost. That's what everybody was already talking about it before it was even a real thing. Yeah. People I mean with the signing of the, tr- the trade for Paul George, the signing of Kawhi Leonard, a couple other acquisitions, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson. People, a lot of people sharpied the sharpied the Clippers in to at least the Western Conference Finals. And just an all-time choke job. Yep. Embarrassing. I mean, yeah. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George just played abysmal. Especially Paul George. He looked bad. Hitting sides of backboards. <laughs> Wide open three. You're down. I think if he would have hit that, that would have brought them within, like, I don't know, something reasonable, like a 10 or 11. And you you brick it off the side of the backboard. You're supposed to be, like, you're supposed to be the second star next to next to Kawhi there, leading your team to, to, a, to a championship. And that's just not how you perform. Mm-mm. Not at all. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, he 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 had that one good year with the Thunder, but outside of that, and obviously his 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 years with the Pacers way back when, but before the injury, yeah, before the injury. But man, he isn't. He does. He does not. He hasn't impressed me. Nope. At all. He's. He does not look like a star to me. No. Uh. Yeah. Clippers lose one hundred four eighty nine to the Nuggets. The Nuggets come back from a three one deficit in the series, and they end up catapulting past the Clippers. That game was a 20-point game at one point in that fourth quarter. Yeah. 20-point game. I, I couldn't believe it when I was watching. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's a 20-point game, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are doing absolutely nothing right now. Kawhi didn't have a point in the fourth. I don't think Paul George did either. He might not have. It was all Montrez yeah. Harrell. It was yeah. all Mont- Yeah, it was all Trez. Yeah, not even Lou, not even Lou Will. No, he was Lou off. Will, yeah, you, I'm not going to let him off the hook either. He, I mean, his only job is to – to be that that third scorer off the off the bench, and he just he couldn't create anything, couldn't get it done. It was an all around awful performance in the second half. Kawhi Leonard, as you said, 
didn't have a, a point in the fourth quarter. I don't think Paul George had a point either. We already established that. I know Kawhi Leonard only had one field goal in the second half. He, he goes 6-for-22 on the game, uh, 14 points. Paul George had 10. They had a combined plus-minus of negative 41. You're horrid. Two-star players. The, the, the two-star players who supposedly were two, two-way players. Yeah, going both ends of the floor, offense, defense, the best two-way guards, two-way backcourt that you could possibly have mm-hmm. in the NBA. They have not lived up to that moniker at all in this postseason, and obviously they won't get a chance to prove themselves any further because they are sent home, they're leaving the bubble, and just an all-around, as you said, choke job from Kawhi and PG. And I, I do want to touch more on Kawhi because, let's face it, even though, yes, Paul George is a very good player, I would still consider him to be a superstar, even though, yes, he did not play well at all yeah, in this just series. Hasn't, hasn't looked him, like himself, yeah. at least in the playoffs. And, I think maybe it's a little recency bias from from me, but yeah, no, I, he's, still, I, he's still a great player. Well, the entire but, bubble, even before yeah, like the yeah, playoffs exactly. officially started. Yeah, the entire bubble, he just has not been the same. I still <laughs> consider him to be a superstar, but even though I do still consider him to be a superstar, yeah. by far the biggest force and the biggest star appeal from the Clippers comes directly from Kawhi Leonard. He is the one that everybody yeah. is focusing on today. I have not seen a ton of criticism. I've seen some criticism of Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think I have seen enough. Maybe it's because the the Big Ten news kind of clouded the, the, the talk about Kawhi Leonard and maybe pushed that to the back burner. But he definitely deserves to be criticized a whole lot based, of how, based off of how he played last night. Game seven, you had a 3-1 lead. You let him inch back into the series. If you are the closer that everybody says that you are, you need to figure out a way to score more than one bucket in the second half and will your team back in it as not only did you let them inch back into the series, the Nuggets, you let them inch back into the game in the third quarter and then you didn't do anything about it and then they just poured it on in the fourth. Yeah, That's on Kawhi Leonard. I'm not blaming Doc Rivers. Even though Paul George played terrible, he's not the sole person to blame. He's not the main person to blame, rather. It is Kawhi Leonard who was that main yeah, it's person. Yeah, a, a dual effort between those two, for sure. And I brought up something. I want to run it by you. I brought something up last night on Twitter as I was dancing around in my LeBron James jersey because <laughs> he is now the clear, clear favorite, I think, Unless the Heat come out and sweep the Celtics, which I don't see happening. I think the Lakers are the clear, clear favorite to win the finals now. So I was very ecstatic, and I was kind of dancing on Kawhi's grave a little bit. uh, Just a little bit. Because I get really mad when people say that Kawhi is the best player in the league. He's absolutely not. But I brought this argument up. I want to get your take on it. I've talked it. I've brought it up to some people, and they immediately say, Connor, you're crazy. How can you believe that? And I tell them. I'm just bringing up an argument. It doesn't mean I believe in the argument. I'm just bringing it up, and if somebody wants to run with this, be my guest. I think you can make a very serious case that Kawhi Leonard is one of the most overrated players in the league. When you take into account his coming out party in 2014 in the finals, when he scored a whopping 17 points a game, not, I mean, still. No, yeah. For his, his role, that was solid. Yeah. But 17 points a game, 
put that up against the rest of the superstars, put that up against LeBron James in that series who scored 28 a game. Yeah, even on, even players like with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, yeah. Manu, yeah. So in that series, and that would really, let's face it, that was Kawhi's sole claim to fame in that series was the fact that he was holding LeBron James on defense and was just really giving him problems. LeBron still put up 28 points yeah. a game. The reason why the, the, the Heat lost that series was because Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh just crumbled. Yeah, they had disappeared. been yep. riddled with injuries, and they just, yeah, as you said, disappeared in the finals. So that that was Kawhi's coming out party. That, yeah. that's finals how, MVP, yeah. Finals MVP. And then he goes through a couple weird years with the Spurs where they're not a good team. He sits out. Yep. He spends an entire season on the bench. He milks an injury, gets on Pop's nerves, gets traded to Toronto, and in Toronto, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's one of the best playoff runs that I've ever seen in my lifetime. He sat out for a quarter of the season, the regular season, didn't play because he wanted to rest up for the postseason. So naturally, I mean, it's smart by him. Oh, yeah. I didn't like it, but it's smart. Mm-hmm. But naturally, he had an edge on every single person playing in that postseason because he was not worn down at all. Yes, he then goes on this great run because everybody else was dead tired. He was totally fresh. He sat out a quarter of the season. And then he gets super lucky in the finals because he plays the Warriors without Kevin Durant and without Klay Thompson in very critical parts of that series. I mean, the injury problems that the Warriors have were just unbelievable. So that's his second finals yeah, MVP. I mean, technically he was the one who injured. Uh, yes, Klay Thompson. Was a Clay, yeah. Yeah. And then now, of course, this year, when he really does have a chance to prove that he's the real deal, he chokes and doesn't do anything about it. So based off of that argument, again, I don't believe in that argument. I still think he's the second-best player in the league. Yeah. What, what do you say to that argument? Does it have any credibility? Does it hold water? 100%. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, your argument is he's still, like, yeah, maybe the second-best player in the league. I don't know. I think it might be KD when KD's healthy. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I, I think that's fair. Maybe Giannis is up there too, but I don't know. He's up there. He's top five easily. Um, no, that definitely definitely holds some water. The the fact that he's overrated, and even last year, I'll say that even last year, I mean, he he had a fantastic, I mean, finals because last year is kind of when he really like blew up. Everybody was like, he was in the in the goat conversation, like yep. from some analysts and media members. Um, I don't know how much legitimate that is. I don't know how much of that's just for clicks and views, but you know. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> even last year, he gets a lot of the credit for that Raptors victory, and as he should. But Siakam, Van Vliet, they were they came up big time. Yeah. Like, they, were, they made big-time buckets. Kyle Lowry. Oh, of course. Kyle Lowry even more so, probably. I mean, and, then, and then I don't think he gets enough – I don't think he gets enough uh, – crap for leaving a potential dynasty in Toronto either to go to his hometown hometown clips yeah I I saw some people saying did he make the wrong decision Uh, I will say what he did saying no I'm peacing out I'm going to LA not only that I'm gonna show up have a meeting say listen I'm only coming here if you get Paul George who had just signed an extension. Yep. Saying, like, that was, I, I, I hate to say it, but that was a boss move. That was a total boss move. Like, yeah. I just want a championship with you. I'm leaving. Not only that, I'm going to go to that new organization. I'm going to say, get PG, pull some strings. If you can't, then I'm not coming. Exactly. Like, boss move. I respect it. And that day, I was like, oh, my God, that's that's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. 
uh, partially because the the Thunder let PG go. They just said, okay, yeah, we just signed you to this long term deal, but we'll trade you. What? I mean, they got a haul. Though, and and now draft picks. Looking back at it, they may have won that. Well, especially trade. considering how well the Thunder yeah, exactly. performed this year. They got a lot of a lot of pieces. Uh, yeah. So I I thought at the time that was an unbelievable move, and I thought that Jerry West was a genius, and I thought that Kawhi Leonard. Props to him. We were talking about empowerment earlier. That mm-hmm. That's one of the most empowered things I've ever seen anybody do in the NBA. Um, but, yeah, it, did he make the wrong decision? It, it's something that it's definitely you need to balance that in your mind and think about it. Should he have went to the Lakers with LeBron and AD? Should he have stayed in Toronto? I don't know. Uh, we do have to go to a break. We can pick that up after the break if you want yeah, to keep talking about sure. that. Think yeah. about it. Let it marinate. And, yeah, we'll get back to that. And then we'll also talk about – our favorite team in the world, the team that brings us endless joy, no stress whatsoever, the Philadelphia 76ers. That's all coming up right after the break, right here on No Boundaries. We are stronger, Lions pride, stand together, blue and white. Lions pride, show the world your Penn State side. Lions pride, you're living, you're loving Lions pride. Lions Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Are you sick and tired of hearing the same old sports takes? How about you get out of your old sports relationship and hop into a new one with me? Zach Moore. Listen to Sports with Zach Moore every Friday from 2 to 2.30 here on Com Radio. We're talking all sports, anytime, anywhere. It's No Boundaries here on Com Radio. on No Boundaries, Connor Griffin, joined by Zach Donaldson. We were talking before the break about Kawhi. Did he make the right decision? Zach, I'm going to pitch it to you right off the bat. What do you think Kawhi should have done now looking back with 2020 vision? Did he make the right move? Well, I think, I mean, obviously, if he went to the Lakers, like that would be the next, that would be a, that would be a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They may they may have won more than seventy three games, maybe. I mean, potentially. I don't know how the load management would have shaken out with all three. Of them. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But I mean, that would have been the whole league would have been doomed. But the reason I don't think he wanted to do that, I think he wanted to go to the Clippers and kind of like pave his own path in like because if if he were to go to L A, I feel like he would would have been overshadowed uh, by LeBron and even like even A D. Like they would be considered like like a super team. I think he wanted to. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the Clippers are, are, are a super team. They're a good team, but they're not like not like a super team. Um, I think he wanted to go to the Clips and win a legitimate championship that would I think would look really good on his on his resume. And I don't blame him for doing it, but I think he should have thought about it a little more. He had just won Toronto, its first championship. The city loved him. 
he has he had a really good supporting cast, arguably the best coach in the league. And he and he opted to go to his hometown, the sunny weather, beautiful beaches of of California. LA. Of LA. So I guess my answer hindsight, I, I don't know. I think I think Toronto would would if Kawhi were to stay in Toronto, I think they went win the East this year. I, I can't see how they don't. Yeah. Before we get into the East and we talk about the Celtics and the Heat and everything, uh, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets, your take on the second 3-1 deficit that they've overcome in this playoffs and how well their two stars and the rest of the supporting cast have performed throughout the playoffs, particularly in Game 7 last night. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, before these playoffs, I had not watched much Nuggets basketball. Um Jamal Murray has gained a huge, huge fan in me. <laughs> he is a he's a bad man. He's a straight hooper. Some of the shots he t- he takes, he just he just has the utmost confidence. He's a big time shot maker, a a a big time playmaker, and he he willed that team. Obviously, with the help of Jokic, other other players made. Millsap was big last night. Um, Jeremy Grant made a couple big shots. They they got a good Michael Porter Jr. They got a good surrounding cast, but Jamal Murray, just I feel and, and Jokic, I feel like their energy, kind of like fueled the team. I agree. Like I don't know. It's that's just that's just the 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 vibe I got through yeah. the TV. <laughs> through the TV. Yeah. No. Jokic is definitely. Uh... An emerging superstar in this league. I think that yep. Jamal Murray, based off of what he's done in this postseason, like everybody was talking about Dame, everybody was talking about Devin yeah. Booker before the playoffs. Like, yep. oh, these are the MVPs of the bubble. What Jamal Murray has done might take the cake from me. Incredible! It's I can't, I can't stop watching him. Yeah, like he's got my eyes glued. I'm like, oh, what's he gonna do next? I, I've been really, as you said, I, I've become a really big Jamal Murray fan. Let's shift gears to the East Coast. Heat Celtics. Game one. Overtime. Unbelievable game. Oh, yeah. Uh, Heat pull it out in the end, thanks to Jimmy Butler and one of the best blocks I've ever seen from Bam. From Bam Bam. Bam. Just general thoughts about that game. I mean, I don't even know where to start with that one. I mean, I just caught the end of it. Um, It was early game. Early, early game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I was still going about my uh, my daily due diligence, <laughs> fulfilling all my responsibilities, doing everything I got to do. Um, but I did catch. I was fortunate to catch the end and and um and the overtime period. And I mean, just like that block. I thought I thought he was gonna. I thought Tatum was gonna just yam on him. I was just like jaw drop. His hand went backwards, literally, and he still found a way to knock that out of the rim. I don't even think it. I don't even think it hit. Like the rim. I don't even think no, his hand it hit did. the rim. No, it didn't. That's incredible. I have no idea how he did it. Uh, I will say, definitely not the best block in postseason history. Everybody was saying that. Again, going back to LeBron. Oh. The, the, the chase James. down block. Blocked by James, baby. You can't, you can't beat that. What you said earlier, like recency bias, that's total recency bias. Yeah. But great defensive play, great effort by the Heat. Jimmy Butler, even though I hate his guts because he left the Sixers, uh, yep. great, great game late. I, I don't think that he was so like superb throughout the the early parts of the game. 
But in the fourth quarter in overtime, I have to give it to him. Yes, he was fantastic. He gets it done when he has to. He does. Uh, I thought that the, the shot taking from the Celtics could have been a lot better. And I think that's partially what cost them the game. They had a real shot to win it in the, the end of regulation. And Jason Tatum ended up settling for all, uh, just a really bad, yeah. long three. Just stood out there the entire possession then chucked it up. Didn't even get much space. No. Yeah, was, uh, was see, great look. I, I was disappointed in that. I still have the Celtics winning the, ser- uh, the series. I have them making it to the finals. Mm-hmm. That's been my pick the entire uh, postseason. Yep, I did call that. I did call that. Thank you for acknowledging that. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I, I think that's going to be just an amazing series. I mean, we saw it. We got a glimpse of it in, uh, in game one. They're both very good, very good, very talented teams. And they're scrappy, too. Scrappy, which I, gritty. Which I love. Yeah, they both got that that aspect to them. One team that is uh, not scrappy, not gritty at all, the Philadelphia 76ers. What a joke. <laughs> what yeah, a joke. It's a travesty. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time <laughs> on this, A, because we're running a little bit past schedule, but B, I really don't want to spend a whole no, lot of time on me this. Me neither. I need a break. <laughs> but we, we do have to talk about it a little bit. A um, bunch of coaching names have been thrown out there to, to fulfill the role of Brett Brown after he was fired a couple weeks back. Billy Donovan, Mike D'Antoni, Ty Lue, those seem to be the three front runners, the three that have really reared their heads in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and, Zach, I want to get your take. Who do you think out of those three do you think is the best option for the Sixers to, to fix this dumpster fire of an organization at the moment? Well, the Sixers, there have been <clears> – <throat> there were reports today that Doc Rivers is, in fact, staying yeah, he's in staying. L.A. He's staying. So, I mean, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Um, that would have been interesting. Definitely. Out of those three, oh boy, I honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know if I really want any of them. Really? The six, I mean, the Sixers seem to be really in on Ty Lue, and, I mean, the, the feeling's mutual. I mean, he is a championship coach, but I always felt it was LeBron. I, I always felt yeah. he rode LeBron's coattail. I I think LeBron just willed his willed that Cavs team to, to victory that year. Um Billy Donovan's done a lot of great things with the Thunder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this year everybody counted them out. They were expected to be a lottery team, which I never got. I never really got that. They have some. Oh, they I have a lot of talent over there. I will admit, I thought they were a lottery team, just because Chris Paul was the X factor. He, he did surprise. I, so. I I thought that he was just going to be not washed up. I just thought that he was going to be so uninvested that he just wouldn't perform. But anyway, mm-hmm. continue on with Billy Donovan and the Thunder and everything. No, yeah, I mean like. Every year, his his roster he's he's been through a lot. Every year, his his roster has been like reconstructed almost, mm-hmm. losing Westbrook. Um, I mean, the only one that's been there like consistently has been like Stephen Adams. Um, I don't know something something. It's just a gut feeling. I feel like Philly would for, would tear him apart. Maybe it's just a. I don't know if I really have any any info to back that. It's just kind of like a gut thing. Yeah, D'Ant- D'Antoni. If if I were to pick one of those three, it would be it'd be D'Antoni. He, I think he could take a lot of. I think he may be able to take a team to the next level. But that's a fifty-fifty for me. He'd be the last person I'd pick. Really? I know he's an offensive coach, and I know that's our, our biggest problem right now is offense. Maybe, but I just don't think we have any personnel whatsoever to fulfill his vision of what he wants an offense to look like. Especially considering how prominent his shooters were. In his last offense in Houston, that's true. It, they and lived we have and died by the. They by lived the, and died by the three. By now, the three and scoring off the dribble too. Granted, maybe, maybe he would adjust. 
maybe that's what he does. Maybe he tries and adjusts his offensive mindset to whatever personnel is in place at the at the kind of what I was that thinking. he is. But I just think it's such a, a, a vast a vast transition to go from the shooters that the Rockets had to just the I I mean like garbage cans from three that the Sixers have right now. <laughs> I, I think it would not work at all, and that's why yeah. I'd be hesitant to take D'Antoni. But Definitely a lot of options. Definitely a lot of stuff other than the coach that needs to be taken care of this offseason. Uh, we are running a little bit late, so we'll, we'll go to commercial break, and then we'll come back with uh, some NFL talk, Yeah, NFL recap. Another Philly team that is disappointing left and right, Philadelphia Eagles What's as well. New? What is new? <laughs> we'll be right back with no boundaries after these words. We are stronger, Lions pride, stand together. locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976 offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Hey Jordan, who is the Big Ten's best basketball player? It has to be Luca Garza. Garza doubled, makes it anyway. Look at the emotion from Luca Garza. And Andre, what are your thoughts? You guys have got to be kidding me. The best player in the Big Ten is clearly Daniel Oturu. Oturu now driving with three, with two, with one, and finishes anyway. Join Andre McGarrow, Kyle Canelo, and Jordan Mansberger on Big Ten Now, Monday nights from 9 to 10 p.m. on Com Radio. What is the secret recipe for the Korean fried chicken at the coop? After years and years of searching, I have finally gathered all 15 spices straight from Korea. It is... I ain't giving my secret recipe to nobody. Ha ha ha. The best Korean fried chicken in State College, now at the coop. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. Welcome back to No Boundaries here at Innovation Park, the Com Radio Studios. We're going to talk some Eagles. Zach, not the ideal way to start off the season for sure. It was one of the most frustrating games I've watched as an Eagles fan. And, and there have been a lot of them too. There have been a lot. <laughs> You're absolutely right about that. And yeah, I, I think that it's probably the worst loss, most embarrassing loss of yeah. the Doug Peterson era. I always think back to the Saints game a couple years ago, uh, where we lost like forty-two to something. I forget what it was like, forty to single digits, and it was just an awful performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think back to the the Cowboys game. I think it was last year, two years. Ago. I can't remember. But in terms of the just Dolphins game was pretty. Dolphins game was horrible. Yeah, was but bad. at least the offense was good. Yeah. At least the offense That's was good true. in that game. The defense just couldn't stop anybody. This, it started off where the offense was obviously super hot. Mm-hmm. Score seventeen unanswered points to start the game, and then they totally tanked. 
and they were putting, because of the interceptions and turnovers, they were putting the defense in, in these really bad situations where they rapidly had to adjust short field situations. And I, I was like, okay, this is not the defense's fault if we lose this game because the offense is turning the ball over deep in our own territory. They're not taking care of business. They're not moving the chains, and they're putting the defense in bad situations. But as the game progressed, it was not the case at all like that. It, it was just that the defense just couldn't stop anybody. Even if even if the uh, – who were we playing? The, the Washington football team. I was like – Thinking like, who, oh, yeah. wait, who who are we playing? It was the Redskins. No, 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 no. What's their name? And I was like, oh yeah, it's the football team. I'm gonna say Redskins. I it's yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> but even if the uh, the I almost just did it right there. Even if the football team were to start out at their own ten yard line, our defense still was not able to stop them. They just got yeah. so worn down. That the first touchdown. That's the blown coverage on the goal line. Yes, exactly. Um, just and, can't happen. And yeah, to give up 27 points in the last what? 31, 32 minutes of the game because yeah. they did score that one touchdown right before the end of the first half. That That's just pathetic. To the Washington football team, to a quarterback who... They don't even have a name. They don't have a name. Have a name. They don't have a quarterback. They don't really have any offensive weapons. Nope. McLaurin, Mc- didn't, he didn't have that great no, of a game. That's the one... If there's one... Po- I don't want to interrupt you, but if there's one positive about the game, it was the secondary. I finally felt safe and secure with our secondary back there. Yeah, which is crazy considering all the, the turnover in the secondary that went down in the last couple of weeks before the season, like cutting people left oh, and yeah. right. Um, Injuries too, of course. Injury well, yeah. Bug. yeah. Roby Coleman, and, and down Will Parks. That's a... Uh, the injury bug was a huge part of this game, offensively speaking. Obviously, Miles Sanders did not play. Yep. Lane Johnson did not play. Bunch of people went down. Offensive line was not so. Boston Scott went down for a little bit. Yep. He was out. Uh, you can't blame this loss on the injuries, though. Am I wrong in saying that? Oh no! I mean that. I mean it's it. The Eagles just have an, a, a it's have a ridiculous amount of injuries, and I I don't I don't know why the football guys just must hate Philadelphia. Or Our something. medical team is also not the best for sure. Yep. I mean Sanders Sanders was originally day to day. Yep. Like and now he's thankfully the report came out today. He looks like he's coming back this week. No, uh, I I saw that. Oh, and you, any you're... other fan base, that's that that's a good reason to be optimistic. I know I should know better. I'm very <laughs> cautious with the way I'm approaching that. But anyway, continue. Um. No, yeah. Uh, where was I? You're just saying this week. <laughs> It's a little bit more hopeful because we got Miles Sanders oh, yeah. back. Lane and Johnson. Lane Johnson. He's big. That's, I mean, huge. The, the offensive line was just uh, abysmal. I mean, the pressure on Wentz, there were five guys. And Washington, if there's one thing that they do have going for them, it's that D-line. That D-line's mm-hmm. kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, nonetheless, the offensive line was just getting to Wentz every single play. Eight sacks, I think, they, they mm-hmm. finished with. And then – Obviously, but I mean, we've been riddled with injuries on the offensive line. You, it's football; it's going to happen. It sucks, but like it's going to happen. So then, that, that I think, um, you got to you got to look at the coaching a little bit with Doug. I don't think the play calling was on par. I think, and once again, injuries. We didn't have Sanders. A running game would have helped. But I mean, the the because you're limited when you don't really have a have a, a a running back, especially when you're missing one of Sanders' caliber. Um. I don't know. I thought Doug should have. 
I think Carson's the I think Carson's best when he's out of the pocket, and I mean with all the pressure that they were um, generating, I, I just thought it only made sense to do some 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 play action right. rollouts, see what he can. Uh, we were chucking the ball down the field a lot, but I mean, it was he was in the pocket. He had no time. He, mm-hmm. got, he had hands in his face. There were multiple times where his hand got hit. He was having to put so much air on the ball, yeah, to to you know account for the fact that he was only going to get a second and a half to throw exactly. it. He's got to put air on it, or else he's just going to chuck it way above everybody else. Sometimes he does hold it, hold on to it too long, though. I'm, I'm glad you said that too, yeah, because that was some my of it thing. is on him. Now, well, gr- granted. You know, everybody was bashing him for that. When you have such little talent around you and you don't have your main guy, Miles Sanders, in the backfield there with you, yeah, I can see why he's trying to do a lot. And, I mean, he, he did score 17 points and he looked phenomenal in the first half of the game. Yep. So I could see why he would want to be holding on to the ball that long. But I definitely think there were plays – I mean, easy plays. Even if you are an elusive guy and you want to make a long play and you want to extend the play, there were just moments where I was like, Carson, what the heck are you doing? Like, I, I see your side, but I, I still I cannot get behind you when you're holding on to the ball that long and yeah. trying to evade three tacklers at once. Just then, get, yeah. get rid of the ball. And then chuck it 50 yards downfield. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of <clears> – <throat> Which I get it. We're, we have a lot of speed, a lot of deep threat ability, and we got one of the best deep ball chuckers in the game. But I don't know. I think that yeah, like you said, he's trying to trying to do too much, trying to be the hero. Well, they all. I don't think that he and the receivers have that rapport yet. They, they don't, don't. They don't have yeah, that connection. That was evident. Miss. He missed. He missed. Uh, Rager mm-hmm. on that. Was it Rager on the first pick? Then Hightower on yeah. the second one. Mm-hmm. Two. I mean, two rookies. I mean. Yeah, so I, I I think that those throws definitely could have been a lot better, mm-hmm. and I think that Carson in many other areas could have been a lot better. But in regards, yes, to those two interceptions specifically, wide receivers could have done a better job of coming after the ball. That's why I say like, it was on everybody. It was offense. Carson Wentz Agreed. was not up to snuff. Play calling was bad. Uh, running backs didn't do a whole lot. Wide receivers definitely could have made better plays. They also dropped a lot of balls. Ertz. That's including Ertz. That's including the tight ends. That was a big. That could have kept us in the game, maybe, possibly. He converts converts that first down. Yeah, so it, all in all. And then the defense, as I said, originally I was like, yeah, it's not their fault. And then when they were just getting pounded yeah. by Dwayne Haskins, I, granted they were on the field a long time because the offense was screwing them over, but when you're playing that minimal of talent on the other side of the ball, Washington football team is not is not you know the the the, the Pro Bowl NFC All Stars like this is not yeah. an unbelievably talented squad. It's the Washington freaking football team. They're not good. <laughs> no, uh, they're the bottom feeders of our division, and they made you look like just I mean atrocious. They atrocious. made you look like garbage for an entire second half. So all in all, uh, not good. They play the Rams. On Sunday, God. one o'clock. Aaron Donald. That's all I'm thinking about. That yeah, it's not a good formula. Uh, we'll end on this. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get into a whole lot of other NFL news. Um, but do you think that they have a shot against the Rams this Sunday? Yes or no? So let's assume that Miles is in and Lane Johnson is in. I mean, see, I would like to think so. I. It was the first game, and I I, I get that there were. The, the circumstances weren't 
I deal with maybe the COVID and everything. I don't know how much of that impacted their their practices and their their mindset. Maybe the, I I would I would like to think that the first game was just shaking off the rust and they're gonna get their feet back under them and at least put up a, a fight versus a Rams team who. I mean, I I did I watched a little bit of the the Cowboys game. Um, they they were they're they're good, but they're not like they didn't blow me out of the water. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to think that yes, we the Eagles have a chance to emerge victorious. But I mean, I, at the same time, I don't know what we're gonna get. It's a wild card. It is. Hey, this is pretty much the same roster, pretty much the same issues that we were facing at the end of last year. We ended up mm-hmm. pulling it out, and winning the division. I thought that it would be something similar to that last Sunday where it'd be like, okay, yeah, we have a lot of issues right now, a lot of people missing. Carson Wentz is going to will us to win, and Doug Peterson is going to be a genius when it comes to play calling and working with this terrible situation. That was not the case. I don't know what happened. I I think COVID and the lack of a regular preseason definitely played a role in that. Hopefully they've shaken off the rust. Hopefully they come out on Sunday in an empty Lincoln financial field. And pull oh, out a W it's over be so the Rams. Weird. Definitely going to be a very weird experience. We're going to take a quick bake. Uh, quick bake. <laughs> We're making cookies. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to sign off afterwards. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Biggest moments. Or be around for some of the biggest news in baseball today. The Red Sox have just fired Alex Cora. Then tune in from every Tuesday from 7 o'clock to 7.30 with hosts Logan Barandas, Gabe Angieri, Zach Lambert, and Ben Service for Ducks on the Pond, where we talk all things baseball. We are stronger, Lions pride, stand together. Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Final segment of No Boundaries, the inaugural episode. Uh, we're going to start introducing something. We'll see if it sticks. We'll see if it lands. Uh, we talk sports for the entire hour, but you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. Outside of sports, we want to broaden our perspectives. I myself found some interesting news today I'd like to share with you, Zach. This should be talked about by every 13-year-old in America, I think. I find it interesting. Charlie D'Amelio, the TikToker, (laughs) has just signed a deal with Triller, which is another Mm. similar app. Where you can dance and you could do a bunch of like cool transitions and weird camera movements and everything like that. Yeah, I've heard that. But, I've heard of it. But TikTok and Triller are rivals. Yet Charlie D'Amelio has agreed. She's already rose to prominence on TikTok, and now she's joining Triller, and she's still going to make TikToks. She's going to make Trillers like on the side at the same time. So it's like, how is that going to work? Like that—that's a rivalry, and you're choosing to side with both teams in the rivalry, so to speak. My mind is blown. I don't know how exactly that's going to work. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. No, I mean... I couldn't believe it when I saw it. She's, uh... 
she's she's treading on thin ice here. It sounds like to me. I think it's a problem waiting to happen. I agree. I think it's going to cause a split in the fan base. I think we're going to see a civil war between Charlie D'Amelio stands and Charlie D'Amelio <laughs> simps. I think it's going to be really problematic. Do you have a, a news story or anything like that that you saw that really stood out to you today? It's a weird day because there's a lot of news, but at the same time, it feels like some news is being clouded by other big news. Yeah, I mean, today was the the, the big Big Ten announcement, so that was kind of where all of my attention shifted towards. PS5? Um, the PS5, even though I'm an, I'm an Xbox guy. Yeah, me too, I think. But yeah, the PS5 uh, released. They announced their uh, their pricing today, I believe. Um, it's actually pretty cheap. I thought it was going to be a lot more expensive. Yeah, I think it was like five five hundred bucks. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's not too shabby. You get eight or nine years out of it. Yeah, honestly, by the time they make the next one. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff. TikTok. Yeah, I'll come up with something better PS5. next week. Yeah, really step your game up, dude. I know. No, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but th- that's all I got. Zach, where can the people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Zach Donaldson underscore. Um, Zach with a K or Zach with an H? Oh, Zach with an H. Oh. Right. Yeah, I always got to specify that. Yeah, and then you can find me at Real C. Griff. Not the fake C. Griff. The Real C. Griff. C-G-R-I-F-F. But that's all we got. No boundaries yep. is in the books. It's 945. Time for us to call it quits. Thank you guys so much for listening to our inaugural episode. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, 845. 